Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Welcome everyone. I'm Vicki Vasiliga, Director of the Clinical Specialist and Scientist section here at ASHP. And thanks for tuning in for this COVID-19 special edition episode. As we all know, COVID-19 has presented many clinical, operational, and educational challenges in the past year. With that in mind, ASHP is sharing insights and lessons learned presented by your peers from the 2020 Mid-Year Clinical Meeting so that you can incorporate these best practices into your own as we all do our part in caring for our patients. My name is Darella Pertini. Um, joining me today is my co-presenter, James Blackmer, and we will be presenting on a pharmacy leader's toolkit for adjusting operations during a pandemic. So as many of you have experienced at the start of the pandemic, rapid changes were needed frequently to support patient care. Listed here are some of the experiences that James and I encountered last year and start this year, which include converting patient care units to COVID-19 areas, adjusting levels of care. So for example, changing floors that generally supported general patient care to now caring for uh, patients that require intensive care. And then adjusting pharmacy po uh, patient populations, for example, nurses and providers that have been used to taking care of pediatric patients are now being asked to take care of adult populations. And so it can be very challenging to adjust operations, both for pharmacy and as a health system, quickly when an emergency situation like this is encountered. And so for this reason, we wanted to lay out some of the tools and strategies that we found helpful with our experiences. And we also hope that you're able to apply these to other emergency situations that you might encounter in the future. To start off, we wanted to provide an overview of the structure for our Department of Pharmacy Incident Command Center at the institution where we worked. Listed on the slide, you can see some of the roles and responsibilities that members of our Department of Pharmacy uh, assumed in order to help guide our department during this emergency situation. And from our experiences, I served as the planning chief and James served as the operations chief. So we will be using some of the experiences uh, during our time in the Pharmacy Institute Command Center to share with you guys today. So for the rest of this presentation, we will walk through a case. And this is actually an example of something that we encountered last year and the start of this year. Um, and we think that walking through this case will help highlight some of the steps and considerations that we felt were important to be able to navigate an emergency situation such as this. So in this case, hospital leadership contacts you on Monday morning. They share that there are not many beds remaining to support our COVID-19 adult patients. And the plan is for part of the pediatric ICU or the PICU to be now converted to an adult ICU area to take care of COVID-19 patients by Wednesday. So you have two days to help with this uh, rapid change. What are the next steps for you and your pharmacy team? As we walk through the presentation, uh, we wanted to list here some of the considerations that we are going to dive into. And this includes communication with stakeholders, assessing electronic health record or EHR needs, looking at automated dispensing cabinet or ADC and equipment needs, 
Um, understanding and assessing the resources you have to implement these changes. Always taking into account the safety of your employees. And then looking at medication dispensing changes that are needed for preparation and delivery of medications for patients. We decided that, you know, because we have so many considerations and we have such a short deadline to meet this two-day turnaround of this change, um, we wanted to highlight this in a timeline a format um, so that we can go through each of the considerations starting on Monday morning and going through Wednesday in the afternoon. Uh, now, of course, some of these considerations uh, will vary depending on the emergency situation. Some of these, for example, the first one we will talk about, communication, might be something that you have to look at at every day um, as part of the different phases to implement changes. Um, but we felt that this could help us dive into all of the specific steps that we encountered and we felt were important to highlight for you. So we will first start off with the first one, which is communication. Our big takeaway for this is the importance of working with stakeholders in order to have the most up-to-date information about the plans, and that will help you to be able to make quick changes for your group. What we encountered is that you might experience a meeting where everybody has a plan of what they want to do. Perhaps that's on Monday morning when you hear about uh, the plan that the hospital wants to implement. And then quickly by Monday afternoon, that, play, that plan might drastically change. So it's always important to be involved in the meetings that are happening and all the discussions that are happening, especially making sure that pharmacy has a seat at the table. This includes working with facilities and understanding their plans with nursing, uh, with other provider colleagues um, to make sure that you are aware of this. One specific example, when we were working with our PICU team and helping support adult patients on that unit, uh, I frequently communicated with the nursing lead, um, whether that's phone calls, text messages, whatever you need to do, it's important to build those relationships in order to make sure that everybody is on board with the plan that's needed. And this will help you then best implement this plan and share the most updated information with your team as well. Moving on the timeline, the next uh, consideration that we want to talk about is EHR needs. And this involves assessing and requesting any changes that are going to be needed to support patient care. Um, our big takeaway that we want you to leave with here is the importance of utilizing your uh, EHR system to support safe medication dispensing. And this is more important than ever during times of rapid change uh, we want to allow our technology and systems we have in place to help prevent errors from being made, support safe practices. Um, some of the considerations that we had to look at when going through this process at our institution was, you know, what policies are in place? How are infusions uh, being handled? How are orders or order sets built for adult patients? versus pediatric patients? Are they drastically different to the point where uh, we need to decide which one of those we want to use to support patients? Or do we need to create two different units uh, because they're so different and we cannot safely support both patient populations using the same orders and order sets? Um, other considerations would be, um, what pumps are you using to provide medications to patients? So these are all things that in a short amount of time are important to assess 
because it will help ensure that safety is maintained during rapid change. I will now hand it over to James to continue with the rest of the timeline. Thank you, Dorella. In our scenario, it's now Tuesday morning. We have our foundation set. Communication has been received and also passed out to other stakeholders, and the EHR platform is now ready for the changes that need to go into place. Next, we start looking at what ADC and equipment changes are needed and start to build upon that foundation. And really, when it comes to ADC, for us, it was all about the data. And as you can see from this screen here, uh, we were able to utilize and leverage Tableau dashboards that gave us up-to-date data from our automated dispensing cabinets in order to drive future decisions. So um, in this scenario, we already have COVID units live with patients on them. So we know what those adult patients are utilizing in the hospital. So we're, we are able to use that historic data to determine what we should be using in the future. And when you take a closer look at this screen, uh, it shows two different PIXIS stations, both in the medical ICU, um, and then it breaks down the medications that are being used on that unit. Um, and the, the parameters here are uh, a minimum of three days and a maximum of seven days for our PARs. If the bars are green, that means the the current PARs in those machines uh, meet those three and seven day uh, requirements. And if it's red or yellow, it means it's not quite meeting those requirements. So as you can see from this picture on the left, some are meeting those requirements, some aren't, but this is the information and the data we use to build uh, our ADCs in our new PICU space. Um, and it was really important for us to generate this historic data to make sure that we were accurately and efficiently building these stations moving forward. Another piece of information that was very helpful for us was the medications being delivered to the floor that were not available in our ADCs. So uh, to leverage this, we looked at EHR data, um, determined what medications were manually delivered uh, through the scanning system that we use. And then, you know, we kind of looked at that list holistically to determine should we add these medications to the machine in the new unit or should we add these medications to the machine in an old unit on the fly and make adjustments as needed um, and really this was because we were learning as we went um, new information was emerging on a daily basis that uh, changed practice and then therefore we had to change operations uh, to adjust and from a implementation perspective it was important to know this data um, as these were the changes we would need to make to the machine. And how we did that is we looked at what information was currently in the ADCs, for example, uh, in our scenario here in the PICU and compared that to what was available in our medical ICU or in our MICUs. And so what you see on the screen now is a compare report. So looking at what items were available in each machine and if a medication was in the MICU but not in the PICU, um, then we would come up with the secondary list here to determine what needed to be added. Um, in addition, if there were items that were in the PICU and weren't in the MICU, um, those would be medications that we would consider removing from that machine in order to make more space 
for other items that we needed to prepare this unit. And this was really what we used as our roadmap to build this new machine. Um, you know, those of us in the command center would help put these together with the help of some analysts. We would verify and confirm everything looked accurate. And then this would really serve as the roadmap to the resources we use to help pin and load all of these medications in our ADCs. And while uh, re you know, reviewing this today was pretty quick, when you think about reviewing hundreds of line items at a time, you know, it did take us a good amount of time to review this, let alone uh, make sure all of these were pinned and loaded in the machine. So very time intensive uh, to complete all this, but definitely a necessary uh, piece of the process to ensure that the care teams had all the medications necessary to treat these patients. And as we transition back to our timeline, it's now Tuesday afternoon. Our ADC has been assessed and those requirements have been taken into consideration. And now those changes are being finalized. Now it is time to assess uh, staffing and other resources necessary to confirm that uh, we are ready to go live with our new unit. And really the first thing that we started with from this point forward was employee safety. And for us, the goal was to ensure that our team felt safe in completing their day-to-day -day tasks. Uh, and really we worked closely with infection prevention and other internal stakeholders to make sure that our groups were informed and educated on all the PPE requirements that were in place in our institute, as well as having educational sessions for individuals to provide feedback and ask questions about policies or processes that were taking place within our institution. And I think those were really important for a transparency, uh, for transparency sake, because this allowed individuals to get um, anything off their chest or or speak their mind about what we what they were doing on a day-to-day -day basis and gave us a chance to address any concerns that they had and I think it really helped um, you know keep an open dialogue with the staff to make sure that they were comfortable with everything that was taking place as new and emerging information continued to um, come out every day in regards to um, many aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think really um, from a staffing perspective, it was important for us to keep our staff safe just because it was really challenging uh, with all these required uh, additional operational needs that needed to be met to care for these patients. So we wanted to make sure that everyone was safe and that uh, no issues popped up or we had uh, limited um, COVID-19 infections within our group uh, based on our work environment. And this was really uh, shown here in uh, morbidity and mortality uh, publication that came out, which was data from April to June of 2020 and showed uh, zero prevalence of the SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus in healthcare personnel, as well as uh, local area community incidents of COVID-19. And then it looked at this in 13 academic medical centers across the country, um, you know, really ranging from the East Coast to the West Coast. And what's important to point out here 
is that at our institution, Johns Hopkins Hospital, while we saw uh, community incidents greater than 10%, we saw a healthcare personnel um, zero prevalence of lower than 5%. So really showing the effort that the institution put into keeping employees safe, um, whether this was through uh, PPE that we had uh, and were able to use or any policies and procedures we put into place to ensure the safety of our group. Um, th this was really of the utmost important to us. And, you know, at the beginning, we probably went to lengths that, you know, may not have been necessary as further information came out, but we really wanted to make sure that all the staff were staying safe so that we could um, remain at work and continue to care for patients in the best way that we knew how. Um, and, and really, it all comes down to resources, I think, overall, uh, why, why the safety was so important to us. And in implementing all these operational changes, we used a variety of different pharmacy uh, stakeholders and resources to get uh, all of the work done, whether that was work that needed to be done uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So the typical work and compounding, delivery, order verification, and those things or if it was some of this additional work that went on in preparing our Pixis machines or making EHR changes that may have been more in the moment than typical. Um, but, but really our resources were just extremely important to us and we wanted to make sure that, uh, that everybody was as safe as possible. Um, another important thing we did in regards to resources is develop a contingency plan. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, uh, of the COVID-19 outbreak, I should say, um, we sent out a survey to the staff to determine what areas they felt comfortable working in uh, across the hospital and what they really felt was their expertise, whether it was non-sterile compounding, sterile compounding, hazardous compounding, um, you know, whatever it was, we wanted to get a pulse on what different individuals felt comfortable doing so that if there was, um, you know, an outbreak of infections within a certain group, we knew what individuals we can flex to different areas. So we really just wanted to assess our resources overall and determine what individuals we could put in the right place, depending on where the need may emerge throughout, uh, throughout the pandemic. Okay, so we will now continue through the rest of our timeline. So we are now at Wednesday morning and we are looking to finalize our pharmacy workflows and implement any changes related to medication dispensing and delivery. This is one of my favorite slides because it really highlights some of the drastic changes that happened at times even overnight when implementing uh, the changes that were needed and the plans that were needed to support our COVID-19 patients. As you can see highlighted in red, there were doors uh, that were put up and, and walls that were put up almost overnight at times uh, to be able to create these uh, new units uh, for patients. And this is something that we had to do in the PICU um, in order to support the adult COVID-19 patients. So the big takeaway that we want to make sure um, to highlight here is the importance of remaining flexible and being open-minded to the new setup that you might need to uh, review and assess in order to best take care of your patients. So for example, James and I often did many walkthroughs with facilities. Uh, we obtained blueprints such as the one that you see here, um, walkthroughs as well with our nursing colleagues to understand 
what areas and space do we have available uh, to support patients? Um, for example, there are times where medication rooms uh, might not be available or accessible in our new COVID-19 units. So we had to identify uh, maybe other locked rooms that could provide medication storage. Um, so this is a, a very important slide because it, it does require that key point that I mentioned earlier about communication um, and working closely with other colleagues on the team to implement new workflows um, to be able to maintain that patient care. This is another uh, slide that I think really highlights some of the, the changes uh, that we were able to make uh, during the pandemic. Uh, as you can see on the left, um, we had an existing ADC that was on the unit. Uh, the rest of that corner area um, was really just, you know, some tables, things like that. We moved everything out and, and James and I had a lot of opportunities to move around equipment. So you can see we added a fridge, uh, we added another uh, ADC um, storage space for bulk items that our adult COVID ICU patients were going to need. Um, and uh, we had a lot of before and after pictures like this of drastically changing units and that's okay. So I, I think we wanna highlight here that um, things will look different, but maintaining that open-minded, flexible, um, open dialogue with colleagues will help you implement new creative ideas. And so finally to uh, wrap up here, the last step is final validation. And it's important here that before you go live, you wanna confirm that all the EHR and ADC changes um, have been made and are accurate, especially during times where rapid change is happening. There are uh, a lot of people involved in those changes, uh, never wanting to assume that um, somebody has completed something if they, if they did not uh, explicitly say that they were. So really uh, testing everything out and, and making sure that um, you are ready to go. So uh, with that, wrapping up our presentation, we wanted to highlight a summary of some of the changes that uh, we made during our time in the Incident Command Center. About 50, uh, over 15 patient care areas were transitioned to COVID-19 areas um, over the year and a half that we were involved, and that includes the emergency department, intensive care units, both for adults and pediatrics, adult oncology, pediatric psychiatric unit, procedure areas, and adult general care. Um, so really almost uh, every, every area of our hospital was impacted by this. And specifically highlighting that during the surge from March to April 2020, as James noted earlier, uh, a lot of ADC changes were made uh, to be able to adjust medications um, and support our COVID-19 patient care areas. Um, so we're 25 ADCs and over 4,500 transactions, including uh, refills, loading, unloading, uh, by all of the different members of our, our team uh, that were very valuable in helping implement these changes for us. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today for this special edition podcast on COVID-19. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to check out our COVID-19 Resource Center at ashp.org backslash COVID-19 for the most up-to-date developments on COVID-19. Take care and thank you for all you do. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official. 
the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.